Chancellor Lent from Wales coach Wayne Pivak on this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. So, what are the Wales players up to during the lockdown? How many have had the symptoms of coronavirus? How will it feel to return to the Principality Stadium after it's been turned into a hospital at the moment? What about the postponement of the Scotland game? How can rugby use this time to come out stronger? And how long do the players need to be back in training before they could start playing internationals again? Plenty of questions for Wales coach Wayne Pivak, who held a virtual press conference this week. It started with how he is during the lockdown period. Well, I guess it's like everybody else. It's been um, a mixture, really. It started off, I guess, it was a bit of a novelty, uh, certainly around the household here. Um, I'm married with two uh, twin 14-year-old stepdaughters. So I've become being a a bit of a teacher as well as uh, doing what we're doing with the rugby behind the scenes. So there's been an adjustment period there, I can assure you of that. And I've got a a new respect for uh, teachers and the sooner they get back to school, the better for their education, I guess. No, but uh, it's, yeah, there's a lot of things that are that are new and challenging and obviously uh, staying at home, keeping your distance from people, it's it's just getting into routines really. And uh, once we've done that, I think it's, it's gone reasonably smoothly in our household, but um, certainly a lot of work going on from home, uh, as you'd expect, because um, there's so many different uh, sort of things we've got to look at and, and prepare for potentially. But uh, it's it's just getting used to it. And for me, the novelty wore off after about week four. and So now it's setting goals and little challenges every day. Do you know what the future holds? Um, as much as anybody, I guess, really. We're in the hands of the government, aren't we, in terms of how our lives are run on a daily basis, let alone worrying too much about sport at this stage. I think, first and foremost, it's getting back into our communities at some stage or at some level. And and getting back um, slowly towards what we would see as normality. But whether it gets back 100%, I'm not too sure. So with, I suppose, specifics, some at all, they seem unlikely, but nothing's been called off yet? Yeah, and, and you're dead right. They do seem unlikely. As each week and each day, each week goes by, that gets more and more the case. But <clears throat> what we have to do as a, as a coaching group, management team and, and players is until those things are called off or postponed, We have to prepare as if they're going ahead, and that's certainly what we're doing, uh, which has been a challenge, but it's been an enjoyable one too because it's we're preparing as if they're going ahead in July, and that is players working from home at the moment until we're allowed to come in. In terms of the the greatest season, how difficult is it for those players? How much do they need, you think, to come back? Obviously, they've been off now since early March. It's a pre-season again, isn't it? You know, the first thing is globally, everyone's going to be in the same boat. So we're not falling behind the rest of the world in that respect. But yes, we are falling behind in terms of the normal training that we would be doing now or we'd be in season, wouldn't we, playing games. But so to get back to playing games, we've got to get uh, our strength and conditioning to a certain level. So what we've done in that area at the moment is as soon as we got wind of the fact that we would be um, going home and staying within our family units, We've broken our gym down. So you can imagine the, the big new gym at the uh, the Vale there. About 40 Olympic bars have gone out. So, you know, the 38 that we had essentially in our Six Nations squad have all got Olympic bars. They've got a number of weights, discs to go with that bar um, so they can be doing certain weights from home. Clearly, they can't do all the activities that they do in a normal gymnasium. Uh, so they've been given programs by uh, Bobby Stringin and, and our 
our strength and conditioning group, get them through. A lot of it's also um, body weight exercises. And so thinking outside the square for our trainers, uh, they've really enjoyed that challenge. And so those programs are getting adjusted on a weekly or bi-weekly basis from our team. So we decided uh, once we got more and more information on board that we'd go into an off-season phase, which we've done. So they've had a complete break. Um, and talking to our players, which we're doing on a regular basis as a management team, a lot of them, the feedback is that they're feeling great for having the break um, because they've had pre-World Cup camps, a World Cup, coming back a few weeks off for some of them, back into r- club rugby and back into international rugby again, and the bodies were pretty beaten up. So a lot of them are feeling really, really good um, mentally as well as physically for having that time off at this stage of the season. So in that respect, they're coming back now into a, a little bit of a pre-season phase as we speak. But as I say, that will need to get ramped up when we're allowed to get back together to be able to play meaningful games of rugby without risking the players' uh, injury. Just quickly, you mentioned, I think, New Zealand interview that a couple of players might have, there were a couple of cases within the Welsh camp. How are they? And anything serious? And do you know which players were affected? Yeah, obviously I've spoken to um, all the players from the Six Nations squad individually um, more than once since the, the lockdown. So uh, I know who's well and, and who's picked up any sort of illness. And there's about four or five players all up. No one's been required to go to hospital. They've had um, you know symptoms such as coughs and temperature. Uh, so they've dealt with that at home and they've come out the other side of that. So what that's telling us is you know you can be the fittest bloke in the world and this thing's not going to discriminate. It would appear that young, fit athletes can pick it up as older people can as, as uh, males versus females. So, no, we've been very, very lucky, very fortunate. No one's uh, been seriously ill with the, uh, with the virus. Obviously, whenever we can resume playing rugby, there's going to be a hell of a pile-up of fixtures and there's been talk of having to play lots of test matches in the autumn because obviously the Six Nations has to be completed as well. How tough is that going to be for coaches and players to keep backing up and playing lots of international matches? I imagine that would be quite tricky for lots of you. Yeah, so what we're doing is, as I said earlier, we're, we're preparing as if July would go ahead with a, a serious view that it may not. Now, if games get pushed out, that's, that's a scenario that they could be postponed. Um, so we've looked at that scenario as well. And it could be the fact that we go to New Zealand a little later on in the season. Now, if that's pre the autumn series, if those go ahead, then we'll certainly have to play those matches, come back, and then play another series of matches. There's obviously the Scotland game to be completed, and that's an important fixture for a number of reasons. So, yeah, you know, you could end up potentially with um, the New Zealand matches plus the Scotland match and the autumns over a period of, of weeks. Now, every nation, I guess, would be in the same boat there. So it's not that we would be as Wales singled out or, or have more games than anybody else. I think it will be pretty even across the board and it'll be preparation will be the same for, for all sides. So that would be something new. And I guess, you know, from a, a coaching point of view and talking to the players, they just want to get back, as everybody does, to uh, some sort of normality. And as soon as they can get back and train, uh, which is what essentially they love doing and they're paid to do, then they'll want to get back. And, uh, you know, I think speaking to them now, if you said you had to play six, seven, eight test matches or five or six test matches over seven or eight weeks, they'd jump at that and relish that opportunity. Obviously, at the moment, the National Stadium is being used as a hospital, um, such as the sort of 
dramatic situation we're in and clearly that's going to have to be converted back into a rugby ground as and when it is needed. What's it going to be like for you guys sort of back at the rugby ground? I mean, it's going to be quite an eerie and emotional setting whenever we can come back, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. And I think the message that we're giving out and we will be giving out going forward to, to our players, certainly, and I had a meeting with Martin Williams earlier today, we were talking about what that looks like and how we'll roll that out. And um, there's lots of people involved in these discussions. Prav, who's in charge of the medical side of things, is working on a subcommittee in terms of what rugby will have to go through before we can train together and play a game of rugby. So there's a lot, lot of hoops to sort of jump through between now and then. But you're right, it'll be nice when we do get back there. When that is, we don't know. Um, and again, that's the sort of thing that we've got to work on scenario A and scenario B. One will be when we do get back to play, the stadium will be available. And, you know, who knows, the hospital could be there for want of a, or to be prepared in case there is a second wave of this virus. So we're not quite sure of timings. And as you know, we're all up in the air in that respect. But it'll be a special day when we do get back. I can assure you of that. When you do come back together, are we going to have to see everybody tested? Are they likely to be tested before every session? And how difficult is it going to be for the medical team? Well, these are the questions that are being asked at the moment. And what Prav's doing with a group of other uh, medical experts is putting together those sort of scenarios. And obviously, before we're allowed back into our training environment, well before we get to play a game, there's going to be certain things that we have to do. What those things are, 100%, I don't know the answer to that. And that's what Prav and the boys are working on at the moment, and ladies as well. There will be something put in place. It's not just going to be going back, turning up to training, training and playing there will be steps and one would imagine there'll be testing involved um, because you know you're asking people to be two meters apart yet play a game of rugby so those two sentences don't go together do they so there will be something that we have to do to make sure that we can um, you know go through that uh, that rugby process as and when we get back to normal and we know about the implications of finance but player welfare I should presume is uppermost in your mind 100% and so you know, we're having discussions around, depending on the length of time that we're away from training, which is obviously a lengthy period now, longer than they would normally be away at the end of a season. So when we do get back together, we're going to have to be very careful in how we work these players so that we don't bring on injury. What we want to do is make sure that we come back, it's done in a manner whereby everybody gets through the first few weeks and we build up and ramp up the volume that they go through. So you'd imagine there'd be a five to six week sort of period there. The Bobby Stridges of the world will, will put the final figure on it, but I would imagine it'll be some sort of figure around five to six weeks before we'd be in a position to be able to play games of rugby once allowed back to do full training. So, you know, these things all add up, but um, certainly it's going to be an interesting return. Where does regional and European rugby fit into this very congested period? Well, I think there's discussions around how the end of this current season may look if we get to play the rugby. So I guess there's a, lots of, a lot of ifs and buts in there, but uh, it'll all be determined by when we're allowed back. And if there is time, then definitely, you know, there are broadcasters uh, involved and we need to make sure that we are providing rugby when we're allowed to. And it'll be discussions, I guess, with broadcasters as well as to what is the rugby that they want to see and that we need to provide. Now, whether that's, you know, Pro 14 playoff games, whether there's derby matches because of travel, there's a lot of different scenarios that we're having to look at, but certainly we'll be wanting to complete a club championship if we could with some shape of, or some form of playoff. 
and no doubt Europe will be wanting to do the same thing. So how that fits in, it'll all come down to the amount of time we've got to, I guess, play these matches. There's a lot of people doing a lot of uh, work on how the season might finish, and it's it's uh, not an easy landscape to work through, to be quite honest. We've got an unusual situation. There's going to obviously be short-term changes to rugby this year, but we've also got an election going on for the new chairman of World Rugby. At the end of all of this, what's the one permanent change as someone who's worked in both the Southern and Northern Hemispheres that you'd like to see to the game at the end of all of this? Well, a good question. I think um, we've got a a great opportunity in rugby at the moment to have a look at the the global calendar, the global season, if you like. It's something that's been discussed at different stages and the Northern and the Southern have their, their own views and individual countries have their own view and look at it, I guess, from their perspective, what would be best for them. So it's, it's been one that's it's been a very difficult question to answer. But I think what we have now is we have an opportunity as rugby people to sit down because of the time that we have to do that. By that I mean in the past, there's obviously been the Northern Hemisphere playing rugby, whilst the Southern might have been off and vice versa. There's always been, it's a tricky time to get everybody together and, and to nut these things out. And they do take time. It's not an easy question to sort of solve. Otherwise, it would have been solved a long time ago. But I think now we do have that opportunity. Uh, I think the game might uh, look a little bit different, certainly in the short term, post-COVID-19. Um, so, look, I think it's a great opportunity. I think the global season is one that we probably all would like to see put under some scrutiny and see if we can come up with um, something that uh, is suitable for both Northern and, and Southern Hemisphere rugby. The summer tour, obviously, with with New Zealand and the way that they've handled the crisis, they got a lot of plaudits for, for what's happened there. And it seems to be that they're kind of opening the country back and, and getting things moving again. Do you think that would work in your favour possibly? Or do you think that World Rugby would take more of a kind of blanket approach to the summer calendar and then try and, if they do want to do it later in the year, then move the tour to then? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, well, it's one where um, I think timings are different in different countries. So, look, it'll be a difficult one, but I would imagine that where we can, we would keep the calendar pretty much the same. But again, that's just my thoughts. Is there any update on the situation and futures of people like Nick Tompkins and Hadley Parks? What's the what's the latest there? Yeah, look, um, I can't talk about individual contracts. As there is in any, coming towards the end of any season, there's a lot of discussion around players that may be leaving or players that may be coming in. There are some players leaving and there are some players coming in. And it sort of balances itself out, actually. So when the clubs have got contracts signed and the ink is dried and uh, everybody's ready to go, I'm sure those announcements will be made. But there has been some activity, and uh, as you'd expect at this time of the year. I'm across a lot of these discussions and involved in a lot of them with uh, players coming and going. Obviously, the 60-cap rule is something that we're driving hard, and the exiled players that were involved in the Six Nations this year, I've spoken to all of them around our view and what we've learned from the Six Nations this year in terms of running the weeks across the campaign with having exiles versus players playing in Wales and the advantages and disadvantages. So that discussion's been had with each individual player and it is fair to say there's a number of players looking to come to Wales. And a first question then to go back to the Principality Stadium, just your general thoughts about that image of uh, the Principality Stadium as a field hospital. I think the first patient went in there yesterday. It's certainly a, a unique site. 
Yeah, it is. And I've also been down and personally gone through the Vale, which is also now a hospital site. So it's, well, it's mind-blowing really to think that a number of weeks ago we were we were training in a captain's run at the Principality and during the week training in our indoor facility at the Vale and and now they're, they're set up as hospitals. So show some amazing work that's been done by a lot of people to make this happen in such a short space of time. But it's also a reality check and I think it puts sport into perspective to think that our wonderful sports stadium, which is one of the best in the world, to now be a hospital, it really does ram home the enormity of what we're dealing with and what lots of people are dealing with on a daily basis with this coronavirus. So, yeah, it is uh, unique times and uh, it's amazing to see what has happened though in a, in a short space of time. We've had a lot of time to reflect and to look back at old rugby matches over the past few weeks. Would there be one match would, uh, would, uh, that you would like to reflect back on and why? Oh, well, certainly in my tenure, I like looking at the Italian game because we won 42-0. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I haven't had an opportunity to look at too many of the, these things that have been shown at the moment. Um, there's some great old games. What I like looking at is some of these games which, when growing up um, as a New Zealand supporter, I thought were fantastic games of rugby. And then you watch them nowadays and ball and play was about 15 minutes. And you think, yeah, it's a t- totally different game. And at Rams home, I guess, really the the athletes that we now have and, and the work that they go through to get into the conditioning that they're in and the, the way they present themselves to play the game and, and the impacts and the, the, the contacts that go on in the game. It's a totally different game from when I played, let alone when my father played. Uh, lots of sports uh, are mooting how they're going to come out of this lockdown. Uh, can I get your opinion on uh, playing, particularly rugby, obviously, uh, behind closed doors? I think two things come into it, don't they? There's the home advantage, and everyone would acknowledge that um, if you look at win-loss records, generally speaking, at home you have a, you have an advantage. You're in your home dressing room. It's familiar surroundings. We train on the ground periodically. The guys have played a r- lot of rugby in that ground with a roof closed, where a lot of nations don't have that ability. So we have more experience under a roof. So you've got that that home ability, and then factor in you know seventy five thousand people. And it becomes somewhat of a fortress and it's worth a few points to you. So take the 75,000 out and if you like, it becomes a little bit more of a neutral venue. So that's going to be interesting. You know, to have a national anthem sung by probably 50 people as opposed to 75,000. And if in fact we're playing in the stadium when we do get back, in the arena like that, we train it. There's a lot of echoing and that sort of thing that goes on. So it'll be a different environment but one that both teams will have to play in, I guess. And uh, the other way of looking at it is if the hospital's still there and we're back playing rugby, then we may not be at that venue, we may be at another venue. So there could be a few changes afoot, um, but certainly behind closed doors will be an interesting one. I'm not sure how much input you had into the decision of, uh, of converting the principality into the Dragon's Heart Hospital, but was there any apprehension in your mind uh, about that uh, process or, or was it always from your point of view uh, the right thing to do first and foremost that's more martin phillips and his team uh, the executive that would have made that decision but look you wouldn't hesitate for what we we're learning about this disease i think no one was even contemplating talking rugby at this point it's about what we do to save lives and um at this stage it's not looking like those hospitals are going to be um 
uh, overflowing with COVID-19 patients. So that's a, a fantastic thing. But to have that facility there and available, I think we wouldn't question that. It's the right thing to do. And I just think the people that have been involved um, need a great pat on the back because to achieve what they've achieved in such a short space of time uh, and to think, you know, if it was needed and, and that was filled up straight away, uh, imagine what we'd done without it. You wouldn't want to think about it. How important will rugby be to lifting the, the national mood once all this is not necessarily blown over, but we've, we've certainly reached a, a point where we can start opening things up again? It'll be massive. It'll be huge. You only have to hear about the, the, the mental health questions being raised in, in these briefings and, and on the news. It is massive, you know. Sport plays a, a huge part in, in our lives, in, in a lot of people's lives whether it be watching it on television, whether it be going to a live match, whether it's the local club game down the road or a test match. I think, you know, being able to follow a team, you know, to get away from the Monday to Friday for some people grind, to get out there and do something that you're passionate about outside of your job, I think it's just massively important. And I think um, to have those things taken away, I think we're just realising now how special our sport and sport in general is. So look, I think we play a massive part in the community and, you know, when we do get back to normality, and, and if you think about a test match being played at the stadium, what that does to the city of Cardiff, what that does to hotels, what it does to the local restaurateur, taxis, you know, the railway, you name it, there's so many industries that benefit from having 75,000 people going to a rugby game. So we play not only a massive part in, in the economy, but also um, in the mental health and well-being of people in the community. And uh, we can put smiles on people's faces. We can help productivity for the days following a test match where people go in with a smile on their faces and work well. Uh, Leicester said uh, that John Holmes has been talking to the WRU. I'm just wondering what the state of play is with that and if you've still got room on your list of 38 players. Yeah, well, um, we named 38 players. And so if those 38 players remain in the country, there won't be any room. If one or two left, then there would be room. So in terms of Jonah, I've had several conversations with Jonah, the last one two days ago. So Jonah is uh, someone is exploring his, his options and then a club in Wales to, to want to bring him to Wales. So what I can say is he's exploring all, his op all those opportunities and I've been speaking with both the club side in Wales uh, and also with Jonah around this, this matter. And I'd like to see him back, whether it's this season or next. Uh, I'd like to see him in Wales, which would help, I believe, uh, his selection uh, and also uh, would help the squad if he is in there, that he's not returning to England and the fellow works. The Wales-Scotland game that was postponed, that came at a time that Liverpool played Atletico Madrid. The Cheltenham races went ahead and subsequently a lot of people are debating whether or not those events became kind of super spreaders for the pandemic. I'm just wondering how relieved you are looking back that that Wales-Scotland game didn't go ahead? Yeah, well, I think firstly Martin Phillips and Gareth Davies and the board uh, made the right decision. And hindsight's an easy thing, but uh, clearly the right decision. Got to remember that um, government were making decisions around that time and the game wasn't called off at government level, so it was left to the decision makers within Welsh rugby to come up with the decision they did. And clearly they made the right decision and um, they should be applauded for that. As I say, we, we trained as if the game was going ahead and that's what we need to do as, as professionals until we're told otherwise. And, and we were told uh, the game was off and everyone accepted that. And obviously what's happened has happened since and the lockdown came in pretty quickly. Uh, so we're pleased that game didn't go ahead. 
and that was certainly a good decision with the benefit of hindsight. So, plenty of talking points there, lots to take in, and a good chance to hear at length from Wayne Pivak. More next week in the Welsh Rugby Union podcast, of course, but until then, goodbye and stay safe. 